You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That Ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. I think what you're trying to ask is uh, why am I so insistent upon giving out to them that blackness, that black power, that black pushing them to identify with uh, 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 black culture. I think that's what you're asking. It's, it's, I have no choice over it in the first place. To me, we are the most beautiful creatures in the whole world, black people. I mean, and I mean that in every, every sense, uh, outside and inside. And to me, we have a culture that uh, is surpassed by, 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 by no other civilization, but we don't know anything about it. So, again, I think I've said this before in the same interview, I think, uh, at some time before, my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. I am your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Latrice Ross. And welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of intelligent radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Good morning, Latrice. Glad to have you in the saddle with me, if you will, Queen. So glad to have you back. I figured we gave you a nice little intellectual break, so you should be ready to be ready to mentally test box and mentally joust with me today. But thank you, Queen, for being with us, if you will. Go ahead and give people a little bit of your background before we introduce our special guest and let the cat out the bag on this morning's discussion question. Sure. Thanks, Montoya. I am definitely happy to be back with you again. Um, a little bit about my background. I am a diversity, equity, and inclusion consultant. Um, in doing that work, I go into corporations and help them put together strategies to ensure that everyone has equitable access to opportunity and that they are paid equitably. And so I'm definitely um, looking forward to today's conversation. No, absolutely. You do a bunch of advocating uh, for black women, if you will, in your particular position. Um, if I could just even highlight that. And without further ado, a returning guest, Ashley Johnson Afford. Thank you, Queen. Attorney Ashley Johnson Afford. Kind of nice to add the title to that, Queen. Uh, but if you will, uh, say hello to the Truth Seekers. Thanks for being back with us and give them a little bit of your background before we give them the discussion question this morning. But thank you for being back with us. Thank you so much, Montoya, for having me. Good morning, everybody. Um, I am Ashley Johnson Alfred, attorney Ashley Johnson Alfred. Thank you. But I'm not an attorney today. I am just a simple civilian um, talking about this same thing that everybody's been talking about for the last week. So I'm excited to get into it. Now, uh, sounds good. Well, let's go ahead and let the cat out the bag. Did Will Smith's slap protect black women? Did Will Smith's? Slap, protect black women. And so obviously it's a little play on words because that uh, that conversation came up after the infamous slap scene around the world. And um, I hope 
Um, as as tip as you know, as most of you know, we typically don't test the hot button items on the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. Um, I think this one, to a degree, was forced upon us, but I think we'll go a little deeper because I wanted to get into the context that you know somehow that that slap, you know, shown itself and brought this discussion to the table. And so we'll use that backdrop to get further into that discussion, open up the phone lines, and get people's thoughts on it. We got some callers on the line already. Uh, but if you will, Latrice, we'll start with you. And I reached out and said, hey, here's the title. Did Will Smith slap protect black women? You know you know how we move on this show. So what was your thought, your first just initial thought with that? So my first thought went to actually what does it mean when we say protect black women? And since that time, I've actually been mulling over what that means. Um, because we often say, make cliched statements, but it's very rare that we often pause to consider what those words actually mean. And so I've been sort of pondering that over the last few days. No, it sounds good. I hope we will get an answer to that um, between, you know, yourself, our special guests, and maybe even the callers. Because as I always say, my truth seekers out there, y'all are the smartest audience in all of radio, so we definitely will be getting your three cents on this discussion. Ashley, as our special guest queen, if you will, um, I kind of begged you to be on this show, right? <laughs> you were taking some, some bullets on social media. You was like, you sure you want me on this show? I'm like, absolutely, I want I'm you on this show. I'm always taking bullets. On social media, always. <laughs> you know, I'm like, Queen, you built for this. You know, so I challenged, I challenged you a little bit. I knew that would make you come on, get on this thing. And let's, 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 let's take these bullets live in 3D, if you will, Queen. But um, what was your first initial thoughts when you heard me word the question that particular way? Um, the same thing I've always thought is that that's not even the argument. That's not even what we are arguing when we're applauding Will Smith or not applauding Will, critiquing him. So I just want to get to the actual argument. No, you know, I'm not going to share my answer yet, but that's what I would like to get. I would just like to get to what we're actually arguing, what we're actually advocating for as black and what that looks like. No, nah, sounds good. And that's what we hope to dig into as well, because, again, we just saw that theme get brought forward, um, I guess, to a degree as a representation, because, of course, I mean, being literal, there's no way that one moment, quote unquote, protects black women, right? Let's, you know, let's if we're just being honest about that or whatever. But again, that context was brought forward this week from the infamous slap, and so we said, all right, let's put it in the same context people are in a sense are talking about. But hopefully, um, you know, to a degree, we can dig out in a sense, you know, what that looks like, and so. Um, I even, you know, I saw there's been a lot of comments on social media. I want to bring those to the table. So we're going to play a lot of cuts, bring a lot of the social media feedback that I got or saw or found out there this week just to, um, uh, you know, in a sense, get this thing started. So one of the comments I saw right before we go to our first break, just wanted to kind of maybe hear your thoughts on Latrice. We may get to you as well, Ashley. We may have to go to break before you answer. Uh, but here's one comment that I saw. This week, and this one actually made me think because I did a thoughtful rant on this, this on this thing this week um, on, on in a sense a one on one with myself, if you will, just talking about it. And I saw it from both sides. There was two two extremes, and I was trying to figure this thing out. And this was one of the first thoughts that actually made me kind of think about this and say, okay, let me really understand all the perspectives. And so, 
I would walk initially went into the thing thinking, hey, Will seems like a clown for what he's doing. Then I found out exactly what he said, and that changed it a whole 180 for me. And then I saw this thought, and I wanted to get this process, wanted to talk through it with both of you ladies to see what y'all thought. Uh, so this quote comes from Noble Lang. I found it on her page as a sister I follow, and she put, I 100 support. 100% support a man who protects his wife by any means necessary, even if he has to resort to violence. Will Smith is a hero, was a thought. And because I respect this queen so much, uh, I really wanted to kind of dig into it and, and, and knowing that she advocates, if you will, um, for marriage. I thought that was a part of the angle that she was coming from. I'm adding that context myself just based on why I follow her. She's a huge advocate for in a sense, black families, and I thought to agree because she put it in that context. That's how I saw it. Any thoughts, Latrice, just with that comment that Will Smith is a hero after this moment, in your opinion? Um, I don't know if I would go as far as to say a hero. I do feel that in that moment he felt that he was protecting Jada, um, considering a lot of the, the backstory that's come out and, you know, after the incident happened. Um, but is violence necessary? To me, there was, because I believe in educating folks, I think that a better way for him to have handled that was to go up and grab the mic and inform people what alopecia is and how it impacts mm. others. But I do understand her perspective. Uh, fair enough. Uh, quick stab at that, if, if you will, Ashley, not that we got to go too deep into that one, but that was just one of the first thoughts I saw this week that made me kind of look, you know, a little deeper into this. So a quick thought to you, from you as well, and we'll go to our break and get started with the cuts. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I wouldn't go as far as to say he was a hero. I applaud him for what he did to represent for his wife. That's what I applaud him for. Um, I, I don't see any heroism in any of that. Um other than doing what we don't usually see on live TV. We don't usually see somebody defending a black woman to that degree. That's what I applaud. No, absolutely. And if I could just add my own personal context, um, she may just simply be meaning hero in the context for his wife, um, possibly or whatever. And in that regard, I can, again, appreciate the perspective. Again, that's my that. Right. Yeah, so that's my assumption yeah. uh, when I look at this from a literal standpoint. She goes, so protects his wife by any means necessary, which ends up moving it really outside of what Will did himself. But maybe he's, in a sense, maybe he's a, a hero for Jada. Um, again, that's just a perspective I'm, I, I'll add to it. Let's go to our first commercial. There will be a cuts that we'll dig into, as always, and we'll open up the phone lines coming out of this break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Please join us on the weekend of April 29th through 30th for the Quilombo Family Fun Fest. This event has something for the entire family with classes in African dance, art, drumming, cooking, martial arts, and many others. Quilombo Academic and Cultural Institute hosts a series of virtual fun, games, and engaging classes in order to raise money for their students' tuition and competitive salaries for their teachers. Quilombo Academic and Cultural Institute is an African-centered, accredited school in Decatur, Georgia. Quilombo's mission is to foster an academically excellent and culturally relevant education that produces students who are equipped to succeed globally and are committed to social justice. For more information or to become a sponsor of the Quilombo's Family Fun Fest, please visit them at quilomboschool.com. That is quilomboschool.com. K-I-L. 
L-O-M-B-O-School.com. The most disrespected person in America is the black woman. The most unprotected person in America is the black woman. The most neglected person in America is the black woman. And as Muslims, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad teaches us to respect our women and to protect our women. And the only time a Muslim really gets real violent is when someone goes to molest his woman. We will kill you for our woman. I'm, I'm making it plain, yes. We will kill you for our woman. We believe that if the white man will do whatever is necessary to see that his woman gets respect and protection, then you and I will never be recognized as men until we stand up like men and place the same penalty over the head of anyone who puts his filthy hands out to put in the direction of our women. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Latrice Ross and special guest Ashley Johnson Alfred for this morning's discussion question. Did Will Smith's slap protect black women as we hear a famous cut from Malcolm X in reference to the protection of black women? Uh, the beginning of that quote is quite often still used and sent and still um, used Currently, in 2022, and I quite often hear, Latrice, if you will, I quite often hear women suggest that this is still the case in 2022. Uh, I would like to add that Malcolm X context clearly at the time, in a sense, was directed, if you will, at black men for wanting them to step up and protect them more likely against a lot of the police brutality that existed at the time. And even back then, there was still sometimes even issues where, if you will, because of the lack of protection under the law that African-Americans had at the time, you might even hear, you know, situations where um, random white men still thought they were above the law and might harm uh, black women, if you will. So his context is a little different. However, I think when people pull that, quote out today, our mindset is that it's the exact same. Any thoughts um, in reference to what I think is a difference in context? Because some people may hear what I said and think things are just like that now. Um, I think it's directed mostly at white men, whereas I think it gets used a little different in today's context. Would you agree or any thoughts on that? Latrice? Oh, I thought you were speaking with Ashley. Um, I think it's a little different. I think, and and this is part of the reason, like I hope we don't spend the whole time talking about Will and Jada because what I see as as a result of this incident is a dearth of of mis- misogynoir against black women. Um, black women feel entitled to this. And so I do feel that it's a different context now because, honestly, my youngest, if she was not into girls, I wouldn't want her to date a young man her age a young black man her age, to be honest, um, because of what I've seen, um, the display of hatred towards women um, as a result of this. And so that's the ensuing conversation that I want to get to, um, how we view black women in today's society. Right. So so I think that, does that quote not 
is would you not agree to agree? Because what I'm saying is, I'm, you know, like we always hear black women is the least protected. Mm-hmm. Right. I agree with it, but I think the context, I, I, I agree with you that the context, was, it seems to be when Malcolm X made the, the statement that it was centered, to, it was geared more towards white, you know, protecting black women against the assault of, of white men. Whereas I think now it still applies, but we're now not only protecting black, we, you know, need protection from from white men, but black men as well. Some, not all. Uh, Ashley, you got you back on the line. Queen, um, I think I hope you were able to catch the um, quote. Again, it's a famous quote that's used by Malcolm X. And I just wanted to get, start getting into, I think there's a different context that Malcolm was referring to than today when it gets used. And I think the difference in that context matters in how it's used, the idea of the black woman believing or thinking that, in a sense, she's least protected. And I want to, you know, kind of dialogue if you agree that the context is different today. Your um, your thoughts, Queen? Um, I mean, yeah, I know the quote is pretty famous, and I I still agree that um, it's the context still applies. It's just expanded at this point because yes, he's obviously talking about the protection we need against um, white, but now I'm like Latrice said, I feel like we need that same protection against some black men and. To even take it further, some of us need that protection from our black men. So it's, I don't know, I think it's just expanded over the years. And now it's, yeah, as she said, I definitely agree. Okay. And so, I, like I said, I just wanted to see if y'all thought it was in a different context. So here's how I wouldn't mind coming at it. For the callers out there, you will have to press one if you want to get in on this discussion. And, again, I thought it was just a great place to start because, again, that quote has been long used, and we use it in 2022. I think the difference in context um, is what we're all saying and that it is look like today that we, when we use the term today, I think when we see it on social media or somebody puts it up, it is more of a thought of this relationship between black men and black women today. And so that context, I want to hear y'all thoughts on this, is a unfair position because of this. So when Malcolm was using it, obviously he was focused most mostly on what the state and what role we could have, in a sense, against the state. So when we say and use that term today without distinguishing the context, there's in my eyes, and I want to hear y'all thoughts on this, but there is this expectation today that black men won't protect women against the state, similar to what Malcolm X was saying, right, or couldn't, or as he was trying to build up Muslims and say, hey, here's what we do. So that context, in a sense, still applies. And then there's this idea that, as y'all just suggested, and you just said, you, uh, Latrice, um, you wouldn't want your daughter, in a sense, dating a, a black guy, black boy, a black man today, if you will. So the context starts to apply within our own. My question is, what would the protection look like amongst our own that's any different than any other group? And, the re- and, and let me say this, and then I'll let you jump in. And when I say that is because within each race or within each culture, the protection comes from the society, if you will, 
the issue that Malcolm was most focused on was the unequal protection of the law towards our community, which we still have, you know, issues with that today. And to apply it within our own, everybody else, as I've you've heard me say this before, Latrice, they just simply call the police, and in some cases they don't, but we have a contentious relationship with the police. And so I think some of the the idea of uh, of being unprotected is because we have, a, in my opinion, a distorted viewpoint of how your thoughts on that, Latrice, and I want to hear, you know, Ashley as well. We do have a contentious relationship with the police, and, and rightfully so. Um, and it, it, this, this, concept, this concept of protecting black women can get um, complex because of that, that relationship with the police. But I think that even if we take it to um, looking at um, sexual assault in the black community, oftentimes black families will protect the molester because they don't want to engage the police. But in that, in that instance, you're protecting the molester or child molester from the police. What are you doing to protect that child? And so even in that instance, they're, they're choosing to protect, in many instances, a man, in some instances, some, you know, in, in an increasing number of women um, from interacting with the police. But in the, you know, then they are, they're negating their responsibility to protect the girl or the boy. So we do have issues in our community because of our relationship with the police where we leave, you know, women unprotected. Additionally, more women are hurt um, from intimate partner um, violence than than in other ways. And so there is another sense where we are not being protected um, by our men. And sometimes even women, the women who are assaulted, don't want to engage the police because of our negative history. Um, so I think it's, it's, it's just a complex issue that we have to figure out how to get to the root of. So it's so complex when you go to the children because, you know, now we're finally, you know, we're in the era now where more information is coming out, more things are coming out. But, and, and, and for anybody that's listening, and you, I mean, you, Latrice, you already know this, but I just want to highlight this for people that are listening. So uh, this is a, a, a dialogue where my goal is not to tit for tat. It is to have a full-out discussion. And so when we find out about the child molesting situation, like that speaks to the root of, to a degree, as we constantly talk about, that we won't bring it forward. We're not bringing it forward whether it's little boys or little girls. And you, I know you mentioned that already, but I'm highlighting that for a specific reason. Like it, 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 that part of the issue with protection I'm going to challenge is getting over the contentious relationship with not wanting to bring the police in where other cultures and races in this country can literally just do that. And that's, they could simply do that. And that's where the protection lies. And because we have this unfair expectation of what should be done within our group, because we don't want to involve the police is what creates this idea but we treat it no different whether that molester is a male or a woman. Um, your thoughts, Ashley? Uh, Ashley I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, we'll hear you. Go ahead, Queen. Uh, I can't hear you. I'm going to have to call back in. Give me a second. I can hear you. You can't hear me? Okay, she can't hear us for some reason. Can you hear me, Latrice? I can hear you fine. Okay, yeah, we could hear her too. I don't know why she couldn't hear me. 
don't know why she couldn't hear either. Because yeah, we can hear but it. I think, you know, yeah. But that that issue is that our relationship with with law enforcement definitely complicates um, that whole the idea of protection. It, yeah, it complicated complicated to the point where we're saying our men are not protecting us, and we think like I say when we think of molestation, you know, obviously we kind of naturally go to men molest. And again, I'm not trying to highlight or act like women do it more than men. That's definitely not the case. But I'm, but I'm really saying that ultimately that's where the difference lies because I know you, you know, being a diversity consultant, as you were kind of mentioning, you didn't say the numbers. I thought you would or whatever, but. I've even, the dialogue of that, if you will, unfortunately, black women do experience um, domestic violence, right, at higher rates, right? We talk about that. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about that, we put the higher rate, and here's, here's the dialogue, and hopefully we can get Ashley back on here. Ashley, if you're out there, we can hear you. I don't know why you couldn't hear us. That's weird. She's back out there. Oh, she's never left. Ashley, can you speak? I wanted to get her thoughts on it as well. All right, she dropped off. Hopefully, she'll get back in. Okay. Um, so, and you know, if you remember, we I've talked to you about this before. Is uh-huh. when we talk about the higher rates, it's it's never put into the context of, in a sense, in a sense where the higher rates are happening at, if you will. And I'm I'm highlighting that from the standpoint of, unfortunately, a lot of Crimes and violence and things of that nature. The unfortunate reality is, you unfortunately will see a lot of that more where there are economic issues at. Now, of course, domestic violence touches all uh, economic, you know, all economic levels. So I'm not acting like it doesn't touch all economic levels. But when you start seeing high rates of any type of violence, you're typically going to see uh, a mass of people living, you know, close to one another, and then you get higher rates of these issues. And that ends up being more of the context, but we accept the context as if black men are doing more and we never put into context that the number of people that commit violent crimes is still always, unfortunately, a very small number of people when you look at the context of society. And unfortunately, it only takes a small number of people to harm a lot because they typically do it over and over again. And so we never put that context in this conversation. We just, sometimes we literally just go to the higher rate as if there's an issue race-wise when the context when it comes to crime is always economic. It's the same way we did, we, we, we can break down the black-on-black argument and dismiss it because it doesn't fit. It, you know, it may it it, it 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 may fit in proportion, but it doesn't fit in actuality when you compare it to the full context. So that's the real challenge to accepting this narrative in the sense that it's more dangerous or unprotected when it's our community should own up to we don't care. We, we, our contentious relationship with the police creates this narrative and makes it more true than it should be, in my opinion. Um, Latrice, I'll let you respond, and then hopefully Ashley can sure. get hear I, I completely agree with that context. Um, when you add the stretches associated with um, socioeconomic challenges, you definitely have a tendency to get more more violence. Um, 
but but I think that in, and if we were able to, in a sense, resolve our contentious relationship with law enforcement, perhaps we could um, get some or alleviate some of the issues that way. But I think more importantly is, you know, when I'm looking at, when I say it now based on what I've been seeing in our community, I'm, when, I look, when I talk about protecting, it's more in a sense not attacking, um, not maligning, not blaming. There is so much, there is so much blame and, and just mean-spiritedness and, and misogyny that's thrown at black women um, in this age of social media that for me now, when I say protecting, it's evolving to me not attacking. Like, can you just not do that? And, you know, I would agree with the not attacking, and 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 so that part I can agree with. I think the divisiveness is, is the vitriol is, unfortunately, with social media is growing and added. I, I think, unfortunately, that is being thrown both ways due to a lot of the trauma that we fail to deal with. Ashley, I hope you've been able to catch most of it. We can hear you, Queen. I hope you can hear me now. I'm here. I'm here. Yeah, no, yeah, we can hear you a few minutes ago. I, I, we, we don't know why you couldn't hear us. So now that you can hear us, um, jump in where you fit in. Yet. I don't know how much you heard when you jump back in, but wherever you want to jump in, go ahead. Please. I heard most of it. Um, yeah, I, I think that's definitely my angle as well. I think most black men are arguing, you know, we're doing enough. We're doing a lot. But my, my thing is also the inactivity, what, what you're not doing, what you could refrain from doing. Because I don't know how many times we have seen Jada call a black bee on social media in the last week to where it's like, no, you didn't actively go defend her, but you you, you could have also defended her honor by not saying what you said. It, it, it's also an issue of, like you said, addressing those traumas, those are individual personal childhood traumas that will allow black men to, I guess in a sense, through what you're not doing, not defend black women, and also through what you're doing, not defend black women. I think we should discuss it on both ends of that spectrum. Now, fair enough. For all the callers out there, um, just to let you know, you do have to press one. We are up against a break. Okay, we got one caller that wants to jump in, uh, but we're going to go to this break. And um, this cut is going to take us, and just so you know, if you're a first-time listener, we're going to dive on this issue both ways, both sides of it. So when you hear these cuts, uh, just be aware. And this is, again, for first-time listeners. All the, the, the truth seekers know this already. We deal with every issue from both sides of it. So be aware if you're triggered by one cut, the next cut you're probably going to love. Just keep it in a buck with y'all. So uh, we'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. If you're looking to purchase or sell a home in Atlanta's competitive real estate market, there's only one real estate agent we call on, Ephraim Abdullah. Not only is he honest and straightforward, but he has a proven, repeatable strategy that consistently gets his clients the homes they wanted versus their second or third choice. What's Ephraim's secret? His virtual on-the-spot offer moves his clients to the front of the line for purchases and for sales. His no-nonsense approach gets your home sold and off the market. For a results-oriented real estate experience, contact Ephraim Abdullah, a licensed agent powered by EXP Realty at 770-800-7922. Again, that number is 770-800-7922.
why? A lot of people are saying, well, Tim, if somebody disrespects your wife, what you going to do? Tim, somebody ran up on Ayanna and said that she has alopecia. She has this, she has that. One, Chris Rock is a comedian. Like, me and Ayanna have been to comedy shows, and we tend to sit pretty close up when we go. And we've both been roasted. We've both been roasted by comedians before. Uh, like, roasted, roasted. And we laugh. It's just like, ah, oh, okay, okay, well, Tim, you know, what if she has an illness? Well, comedians talk about everything. Comedians talk about people's sexuality. They talk about people's physical ailments. They talk about everything. Like, nothing is off limits from a comedian. And Will actually found the joke funny. And then he looked at her and felt like he needed to respond, which, which I, that's where I thought it was a little bit of sucker shit. Because if he really felt that kind of way, then why wasn't that his immediate response? Now, talk to me, man. Maybe I'm tripping, but maybe I'm not. I'm going to give y'all two examples. I really have three examples. I'm going to leave the third one out. But I'm going to give y'all two examples of when I've had to defend Ayana. There was a time where she was working at a school district and she was getting harassed by somebody. And her principal wasn't doing anything about it. So I pulled up on his ass. I, I pulled up on his ass and I told him straight up, you going to handle this shit or I'm going to handle this shit. And if I handle this shit, you're going to get handled with the shit. It was just that straight. It was, it was that, it, it was, there was nothing to talk about. It wasn't shit to talk about. I pulled up on his ass at the school, signed in at the front. We, 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 we don't do nothing passive aggressive over here, y'all. Y'all know me. Y'all know I like to joke. Y'all know I like to have fun. But a lot of y'all niggas know me from Pleasant Grove. Y'all know me from Skyline. Y'all know me from the military. Y'all know I never prove, I never try to be a tough guy. But I don't do disrespect. And I pulled up at her job with her so she knew what the time it was. We don't, we don't play the passive-aggressive shit. We just don't. When you, when you disrespect my wife and you put her in a position where she feels uncomfortable and unsafe, that's on you. That's she, that when she go to work and she's in your workplace, that's on you. And if you can't handle it, I'm going to handle it. But I'm going to handle your ass, too. And his little punk ass, his little punk ass got scared and all that little bullshit that happens when you typically have a, a man who doesn't really have any balls to stand up for himself. So I, I certainly can't expect him to stand up for Yana. It's my job to protect her. And he actually wrote her up. <laughs> and, and I told her to quit the fucking job. You don't need it. We got it. And that's exactly what she did. I Welcome back to the Vince Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Latrice Ross and special guest Ashley Johnson Alpha. For this morning's discussion question, did Will Smith's slap, slap protect black women? As we hear from a brother I follow, Tim Jackson, giving his perspective that he, hey, he thought it was some sucker stuff. Um, Chris Rock is a comedian. Um, I talked about that on my thoughtful rant. And at the end of the day, uh, Will and Smack, Pookie from New Jack City. And so, as I said on my cut, you don't get no points for that. You know what I mean? And so, uh, that was, again, one perspective. I can see it from the other side, and we will delve into that. Here's one more thought real quick before I listen to get from both of my guests. Um, here's another thing I heard saw on social media from a sister known as Roe. The most hurtful part is not the joke. The most hurtful part is if you your husband just sits there grinning after another male goes off cold trying to get the world to laugh at your appearance or disease, which I think speaks to both yours, um, both of your points, um, 
Patrice and Ashley, um, there's a, another side of it and a perspective. So wanted to kind of give both of those perspectives. Ashley, I'll start with you as the guest. Any thoughts on the cut or what? Just um, comment from Roe, and then we'll get to some of the callers as well. I I agree with how he defended his wife. One thing that we're, like, not discussing is discretion. Like, no, I don't know a black woman who's literally saying every time somebody makes a joke about me, I expect you to walk up and slap the shit. Like, I, nobody's saying that. I think everybody is literally saying use your discretion. I completely agree with him. Chris Rock is a, a comedian. He's not a funny comedian. I've never laughed at anything Chris Rock has said. But it's expected from him. It was a corny joke. Do I expect my husband to walk up on stage on live TV and assault that man? Probably not. Are there other ways that he could have defended her in that moment? Probably. But that's what he chose to do. I just feel like it has to be discretion used in every situation. How can I best defend? But absolutely not turn the conversation to he should have just done nothing. That I don't agree with. So, so I'll throw this out. I think the discretion thing, and again, I'm not on social media, so I can't speak for every man, right? Um, however, you know, for the Chip Jacksons of the world, and I'll say even for myself, the, the discretion part is, in a sense, why some of us have trouble with the reaction, right? Like there's a, another way to handle it or a, a discretion and things of that nature. And so I don't – I know for myself or Tim Jackson, we definitely are not necessarily saying do nothing. Like that's not the option. We're tripping on what was done and to a degree see it as a somewhat of an overreaction. Again, I definitely felt this way before I knew what was said. We'll get into that in a second. Um, Latrice, your thoughts, and I'm going to go to a couple callers. Sure. So I agree with the second, you know, while I understand he's a comedian and he's kind of doing his job, one, that that was not a part of the, the expected joke. He went off script. Two, I, I, I really agree with what the second comment that you read from Roe, that there were issues on both parts. How he handled it, sure, he definitely should have shown better judgment in how he responded to that. But here is my issue with Chris Rock. Even though it was a joke, this man has researched, produced, and directed a movie that discussed black women's hair and the issues that it causes with our self-esteem. So for you to highlight, to, to point, you know, call out a black woman with a bald head in a largely white audience after doing the research. You just get no broke point up. For me for that. Okay, you, um, you said after doing the research, you broke up, so repeat at that point. After you doing the research and knowing how this impacts black women, knowing our history with our hair in this country, knowing how we have to have our hair legislated to wear it the way that it grows out of our scalp. He gets no points to me for that. No, nah, fair enough. Uh, I will say, and it's just, again, just bringing full context of things. Um, I, I, now, Ashley, I probably will fight you on Chris Rock not being funny. He's my favorite comedian, so we might just change the whole show over that, and I'm just joking. <laughs> no, we're going to just change the whole show and go completely off script. Chris Rock is the funniest comedian in the world. I don't stop. <laughs> no, sir. Absolutely not. <laughs> so he is my favorite comedian, though. Anyway, but anyway, with that said, um, unfortunately, Chris Rock has just one of his 
unfortunate issues. Uh, he's talked about this. He has to go to therapy because he has no social. He's not unable to pick up on social cues. So he having done the because that makes that made no sense to me too. If I just think about it from the way I would think about it, if I do that, um, that that documentary, it's no way I would be the one making that joke. Um, his issue in therapy is he has no social cues. So when people are mad at him, he literally never knows why. So that's why, but if you can remember the moment, he goes, it was just the G.I. Jane joke. Like, he literally has, he does not have the mental development to not know that he still didn't get it. Like, that's his therapy issue. He, again, just for people to know, his mental health issue is why he can't get it, believe it or not. Just to keep, put it out there. All right, let's go to some of the callers. Area code 407, last three, 400. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Hi, Montoya. It's Ashley. Hey, what's um, up, man? man, so I love the points that Latrice and Ashley have been making because I, I, I think that it comes down to – I saw a meme online that was talking about, like, people don't know what protecting black women looks like, so this just seems like an extreme. And I think when you're talking about protecting black women, like, there has to be a minimum – or, or a standard that we're establishing, right? Because protecting us also means that when you hear one of your friends talking about black women, that you correct them. It doesn't have to be all out assault or attacking someone, but what are you doing when black women are not present? How are you holding your friends and your partners accountable for the way that they treat or um, the mindset that they have against black women. And I, I don't see that happening often enough. And like people get to hide behind their trauma and their triggers instead of addressing and getting the help that they need to heal and be able to be out in the world functioning with other people um, the way that they should. And so like, why is it that we have to be the brunt of all of the jokes that um, protecting us is, is something that is laughable and people don't understand why Will went to that extreme. It doesn't matter, right? Like, I can't say whether it's right or wrong. That's on him because for me to say right or wrong implies that I'm judging. And, like, his emotions and feelings are valid. That's 100% the case. Um, he has to deal with, you know, how everything played out for him and the repercussions of that. But if that's what he felt it took to support and protect his wife, so be it. But, like, I, I would ask people to consider, like, what does protecting black women look like to you? Because time and time again, as a black woman, I have had the conversation of, like, we're not protected by black men. And it always becomes a, well, this, or if you did this, then this would be the case. Like, you know, even when it comes down to, like, oh, well, if you hadn't worn those clothes, like, what the hell do my clothes have to do with you respecting me as a human being, first and foremost? So... And, and I would um, also add this point. There's in the blood type diet, right? They they give you columns of foods that are beneficial and not beneficial. And the author makes a point to say that people often focus on like staying away from the bad things, but what you really have to do is be getting more of the good things in your body, more of the beneficial things. So like even to that context, like yeah, you might be avoiding the assault, or you might not be doing something that's like physically harming black women, but what are the beneficial things that, what are the beneficial things that you're doing for black women? How are you lifting us up? Because that's more important than 
protecting us if if you are constantly lifting us up and constantly doing these things that are elevating us, then there are going to be less instances that we need to be protected from, in my personal opinion. So just my two cents. Two cents? What do you mean two cents? (laughs) Two cents? Yeah. You know that. that that (laughs) It was your what? We're going to get that right. I'm, I'm... Get that right. It wasn't your two cents. It was your three cents. Come on, now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. We actually are up against the break, and we got another caller as well. So let me jump to this break. I definitely want to hear y'all thoughts about what Ashley had to say. I got a couple of thoughts on it as well. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Biology Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. <laughs> For all the success stories that we see in traders, there are countless others, thousands, even millions of others of unsuccessful people who were wiped out. Again, that money had to come from somewhere. These are the first questions that keep you in the game because, again, what trading is not is not a game. Trading is a practice, is art and science in a way that if you do it correctly, you can make money. This course is designed to help you as a trader, as a young, burgeoning trader, or if you've had some experience and maybe some difficulties in trading, to understand the elements that are involved in what makes trading as hard and competitive and hopefully see some of the success that you probably thought that you would have in the first place. But at the same time, my brother Chris Rock as someone who supports you. Generally speaking, you had no right. Chris Rock, you had no right, my brother. Chris Rock, you had no right to try to make a black woman the butt of a joke for white people. I'm sick and tired of black people trying to make each other look ridiculous so white people can have a laugh. I'm sick and tired of black people trying to insult each other in front of white people so that they can have a good time. I ain't got no problem with you, Chris Rock. But you made a mistake, bruh. That woman wasn't bothering you. She has alopecia. From what I hear, her hair was cut because she's dealing with alopecia, regardless of why Jada Pinkett Smith's hair was bald. Regardless of why Jada Pinkett Smith's hair was bald. She was not bothering you, brother. She was accompanying her husband, who was a nominee for Best Actor at the Oscars. You did not need to make her the butt of a joke so white people could laugh. I'm not going to say Will was justified fully in what he did, but at the same time, I appreciated the imagery and the symbology of a black man who decided tonight is not going to be the night where black women get insulted so white people can laugh. And I appreciate Will Smith, my Philadelphia brother. I appreciate Will Smith, my Philadelphia brother, for deciding last night, tonight is not going to be the night where a black woman gets made fun of so white people can enjoy themselves. Stop throwing our sisters under the bus so you can get some kiss ass from crack. 
Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Latrice Ross and special guest Ashley Johnson Alfred. Got another comment that I wanted to share right behind that cut. Um, this one comes from Brother Quasi. Quasi. The single males wouldn't understand. I don't care how soft you view a person. Even a mouse running from you will end up standing its ground when cornered. Keep pushing, and you will end up getting pushed by the very thing you underestimate. I don't care if Will stayed with the woman that messed around. He still chose to keep her as a wife, and the responsibility, therefore, is still in place. So you are telling me because Will may not have protected his wife in the past and, and, and can't decide to do it now, wives and children should be left out of jokes anyway or be ready for what possibly could come next. Will probably had his breaking point after seeing his wife, wife's reaction. Every man has his breaking point, no matter how classy he tries to keep it over time. Chris was just that moment. He isn't just smacking Chris. He's slapping the world. Immature single kids don't get it. Hashtag husbands get it. So Ashley says some things. I'm going to go ahead again to you. Um, well, I'll call it Ashley says some things. Ashley, um, your response to um, Ashley or any of the cuts. I absolutely agree with all of it. Uh, I thank Ashley for calling and she gave way worth it two cents. But I, that was also my question. Like, it always seems to be an excuse. Like, we'll defend black women, but Jada didn't deserve to be defended because she cheated. Or Jada didn't deserve to be defended because it wasn't that serious. And it's always like, why is it conditional? It's always a but I'm not going to because, which to me makes absolutely no sense. Like, it, it should stop there. Black women should be defended because we deserve to be, period. Period. No, I want you to finish. No, I thought you were finished. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Finish your comment. No, just hearing everybody's comment about, well, he didn't, he didn't deserve to protect Jada. Like, just her as a person, just it's insane because, like, the last cut just said, and who was that, Martin Lawrence? No, that was actually, um, that was Umar Johnson, actually. Okay, yeah, makes sense. What he said that was the most important was that Will's wife. It don't matter if that woman cheated on him, beat him, lied. It does not matter because he did not leave her. That's his wife still today in this moment, and he chose to continue to protect her. It don't matter if you wouldn't protect Jada because that's not your wife. But what I do expect is your wife, protect her. The one that you're obligated to, protect her, even if you wouldn't protect protect Will Smith's wife because she cheated and she did this. If that man chose to stay with his wife, that's his obligation and duty to continue to protect her, and that's what he did. I don't think nothing yeah. wrong with that. And that's what Quasi is saying in his comment as well. So I would like to definitely make this distinction because this this was some of what you're talking about. Here's what I want to tell you, you know, as a man that I understand. So I absolutely do find it weak for men who who are always tit for tatting. And in this situation, kind of to what to what you're saying, I, I, I still will offer to say the majority of men, again, I know we always say that, if you will, but I want you to know that even as a man, we recognize that somebody who's designating if you should be protected based simply on your past actions is not the correct way to look at protection. So I just want to say that, you know, just let you hear that as a man, that a lot of us do not feel that way. Clearly, in this cut by Quasi is, you know, a, a husband saying, hey, as a husband, this is exactly how I look at it. He was calling out, you know, the single males that see it as a tit for tat. 
you know, situation. I will, as we continue this conversation, there is an aspect of the history that 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 kind of harms the overall look on Will Smith himself. And I can't get away from the fact that it, it is Chris. It is Chris Rock. I still because because I don't know if he would have stood up if it was someone else. As, as I say, if it was for those who know T.K. Kirkland and the demeanor that he has um, I, on my on my thought for rent, I was like, there's no way Chris Rock, I mean, no way Will Smith gets up there if T.K. Kirkland, in a sense, had, you know, made that bad joke. I'm willing, as much as I like Chris Rock, that was a very bad joke. Let me make sure I say that as well. But if T.K. Kirkland makes that same comment, he doesn't protect his wife. Even though she his wife, he wouldn't he wouldn't even get up there. Like that's I do believe that based on his 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 history, his breaking point wouldn't have made him get up there against a TK Kirkland. But the craziest point, it doesn't matter. You corner somebody, eventually they're gonna fight back. Your thoughts, Latrice? And we're gonna go to a caller. I may have lost Latrice. All right, let's go to the caller. She dropped real quick. Hopefully she'll get back in. Area code four zero four last three four one nine. Give us your name. Where you call it from and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Last three, four one nine, you live on the air. Ashley, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Four one nine, you live on the air. All right, maybe they don't want to talk. All right, let me get Latrice back in here. All right, let me go to this caller real quick. Area code four one six last three one one nine. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Hi, this is Leslie from Toronto, Canada. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you loud and clear, Queen. Thanks for calling in this morning. You're welcome. So I was really sad to see Will Smith assault Chris Rock um, because it really overshadowed a very special moment for him winning an Oscar as a black man, which is a rare occurrence. Um, nobody's talking about his Oscar. They're talking about the slap. And now he's no longer a member of the Academy. So I think it was very sad. And But the lesson that I think we can all learn from this is that we should not allow our emotions to control us. So that's my three cents. Uh, great thoughts. Um, Latrice, she's back in here. Latrice, um, any response to um, what the caller Leslie just said out of Toronto? Thank you, Leslie, for calling in this morning. Um, I think that's, um, that's sort of the giveaway lesson that we all take away. But if we take it back down to basic human physiology, Will's amygdala got hijacked and he responded. And we all have those moments where we do something, and 25, 30 minutes or so later, we have that WTF moment like, what was I thinking? That's because you allowed your primitive brain to lead your actions. And we all know that we shouldn't do that. I think that what both Ashley's have said and what the excerpt that you, you, you played stated, my issue was with the black man making a joke about the appearance of a black woman, particularly pertaining to her hair, in front of a largely white audience. A black woman should never be the butt of a black man's joke in a white person's audience, ever. No, I can agree, agree with that. Again, and, and more so in particular with hair, because I'm not going to say no joke is off limit, because again, I love well, true. the genre. Particularly hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the genre, right? I love 
comedy genre. Literally loved it since I was a kid. Definitely sneaking to watch, you know, listen to Moms Maybelline Maybelline and Richard Pryor and Red Fox records and albums for you know those old enough to know about. Well, I mean, vinyl's back in the back in the game now, so people know about vinyl. But again, I definitely have always appreciated the genre and really, really admire various comedians. And as I said, Chris Rock is one of my favorite. Um, but like I said. At first, I called Will a clown until I heard what it was about. You know, as I mentioned in my thoughtful rant, we're literally amongst the what the clown rap act, and I don't know all the details. You probably know more than I do, Latrice, but it's currently trying to get pushed through Congress, from what I understand, just so that y'all quit going through what you have to go through in corporate America and workplaces when it comes to is your hair considered, you know, normal or within standard and all these type of things, which really speaks volumes to. Um, you know, how big an issue this is, particularly for black women, because as I said on my thoughtful rant, hair is important to most of us, whether we recognize it or not. It's just, it's not a billion dollar industry for no reason. And hair loss is an issue that they make a lot of money off, even fake hair loss stuff. So just to speak to how important it is, but alopecia itself has individual mental health issues and anxiety that it can create. And so what I said on my show was, uh, you know, when you put it into context, as Ashley just said and agreed with Quazy, if they were my wife and I knew she was supporting me on my big night, just as Leslie just mentioned, this is my big night, potentially that I'm going to, you know, win an Oscar, if you will, and she decided to come support me head out as herself after she's told the world this is a uh, a concern of mine, I have a, a battle with this personally, and she decides to support me on my night head out. I wish a mother would say something about my wife. So I, 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 I can see, I don't know, you know, I never know how to say the word you just said, but my my brain would get hijacked too if somebody say something about my wife when I know that's her particular issue. Now, unfortunately, I'm on go mode off the strength of knowing that's her issue. So you probably wouldn't have caught me laughing. And not to try to, again, not to try to just aim at Will Smith, but I'm just being honest. I can't, I'm not going to laugh at that joke, not for one second. Because I'm already knowing that's her issue, as as her as her husband, if you will. Um, any thoughts on that, Ashley? I'm gonna be honest with you. As much as I understand the argument about black women and our hair, I I want to get to a place where the standard is women and children are off limits. Because it don't matter if it was about her hair, her weight, her dress, her shoes. It it should not matter. That black man should not have gotten on that stage and said what he said about another black man's wife, period. So you said even a comedy? We can get... Comedians? We can... As, as a comedian, okay, there, there's a lot... What, I don't know. I don't know. I'm asking, I don't want to make I'm asking... I'm asking... I'm not... I'm not... I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, yeah. I'm just challenging to hear your thoughts. Not, you know, I'm not just trying to disagree with you. I don't want to make it... A, a, because this, this is what we're doing right now. We're trying to define what it looks like to protect a black woman. And I don't want black men to get lost in us convoluting it as, well, make sure the comment is not about her hair. As long as it's not about her hair, it's fine. No, I want it to be a standard where, yeah, he talks about that lady's hair and she has alopecia and we understand that that is wrong. But women and children should be off limits regardless. All the people in that room, he could have picked a, a white woman. He could have picked not his his friend and associate wife. Like I I don't know. I want it to be a standard where let me let me joke about Will. Not let me not joke about Will's wife. If that makes sense. 
No, no, there's, there's an aspect of it. It does make sense, right? There's just an aspect of where it does make sense. I'm not, because I want to go into the nuance of this. We're at the top of the hour, so I'm going to say this very briefly. Uh, so it makes sense, you know, to a degree. Let me throw this out to you. Just So when I first got told about it, it was a friend of mine told me over the phone. I didn't even want to watch the video. So just her telling me about it, what I said to her, again, I'll say not knowing that it was about the hair, and I understand where you're going, Ashley, but I want you to hear this. What I said to her, I said, 99% of the time, ain't no man supposed to have my wife in her name in a disparaging way, and that'd be okay. But, and this is, but I said to her, I said, but the 1% that you actually look like the fool is when you're at the front of a comedy, again, I, at the front of a comedy show, and it's a comedian. You look like the fool jumping on a comedian. So I still think that that's the one space where, again, the bigger context, I agree, is what you're saying. I want you to understand that I thought 99% of the time they are off limit. But the one place it is, and this is obviously this one moment, but I'm agreeing with you for the most part. I still would not let it apply differently in a com- com- comedic. No, I, um, I agree. Uh, I agree. Good. It should be off limit. Yeah. No, yeah, no doubt. And it, and it is. I think it is for most men. I think most men would react different if it wasn't a comedy setting. We are up against the top of the hour. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Myth of Dialogue talk show, where all I ask is that you think. Hey, wait, hold on now. I mean, Will, you got to, hey, you got to keep the fire on the inside now. You can't be out here slapping people at the Oscars. We didn't work hard to get here now. But I I understand. I mean, I knew you had it in you, but I didn't think you were going to get up there and slap the taste out of his mouth. I mean, it's, it's spit residue on the stage. You understand me? He ha- he can't taste tonight. Whatever Oscar dinner he was going to is canceled now because because with tasteless jokes comes tasteless sensations and now he won't be able to enjoy food tonight. Okay? But but you gotta understand, you gotta be careful because when you get to your highest point, that's when the devil tries to come at you. Okay, so you gotta be careful. All right? All right, going back to your seat now. Tell J that say you slept. You slept by Adam. You, that's my will. That's right. <laughs> no, no, no. Go, on, go, on. go on, sit down. True seekers, please understand. Mental dialogue is much more than just a talk show. Each and every Saturday, we communicate with you for two reasons: to dialogue and connect. On the dialogue side, we cater to you intellectual outcasts who feel you have no place for honest discourse on race, sex, culture, and African American business. On the Connect side, we've created a community where you can connect with experts specifically in finance, whether personal or business, and mental health, whether it's trauma or to optimize performance, along with all the other skill sets from other MD community members. Our mission was to create a virtual nationwide neighborhood where African Americans learn to trade ideas, goods, and services through social media, meetups, and this podcast. To become a neighbor of the Mental Dialogue Community Club, please visit us at mentaldialogue.com. We are better with you than we are without you. We can be neighbors even though we don't live next to each other. Hashtag raise the culture. You want a man to turn up for your ass. <laughs> and there's a history of disrespect. Like, come on, man. That's not even realistic. He not thinking beyond his feelings initially. He thought the G.I.J. Man, that dude is, man, come on, man. That cat, that cat is clearly unstable, man. And he clearly needs to have a conversation with somebody about that. 
and it don't need to be on red table talk for us to judge. But we applauding this shit. But if that shit would have happened at a barbecue in the Grove or in Oak Cliff, y'all know how that would have turned out. Y'all know how that would have turned out. Come on, man. Somebody slapping me like that, it's going to be some furniture moving. Like, straight up. It ain't going to be no composure to keep. But that's the message we send into our boys. That's the message we send into our men. Turn up. Take the, the, the 20 seconds of your life and make a decision that can impact you for the rest of your life. You see, at the Grammys, it's a little bit, or wherever it was, the awards is a little bit controlled. You in a setting with all these folks, yada, 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 I get it. That shit would happen in the hood, and Buddy would have pulled out that thing and let that thing go because he felt disrespected. Then what? Now you got two people that's one's probably gone forever and one's going to be gone forever. You understand what I'm saying? And that's the message that we send it is okay. And then you hide it in the protect black women uh, narrative, which is bullshit because the, the, the average black man is going to protect his wife or his woman to the death. But we also understand what restraint is. We also understand situational, uh, circumstantial situations, right? And me and Yana, me and Yana go to comedy shows all the time. And cats be going in on everybody in the front row, including us. If I get up and haul off and still off on a comedian because he make a joke about a Yana, what the fuck does that say about me? What does that say about me? Y'all going to be clapping for me? Hell no, you ain't going to be clapping for me. You're not going to be talking about how stupid I am. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Latrice Ross and special guest Ashley Justin Alfred. This morning's discussion question, did Will Smith's slap protect black women as we hear another cut from Tim Jackson giving his perspective, again, a brother I admire and respect. And you hear, if I would say, some of that male nuance to how a lot of us are looking at it. Because at the end of the day, the thing that I agree with most, and y'all can jump on whatever points you want to jump on, but the average black man does protect is what I agree with the most. And when I say that, though, I put that in perspective to his lady, in particularly his wife, which a lot of us agree with in some of the you know past cuts, and not just black men around the world, men protect their wives and their daughters different than they do other women. And so I sw- that's where I think that comment comes from. Um, Ashley, I'll start with you as the guest. Any any thoughts? Mm, no, I'm going to leave it at what you said. I'm going to leave it at what you said. I'm going to process the clip. All right, no problem. Uh, Latrice, any thoughts? Because, because um, again, I'm, and I'm, and I'll, you're perfect. Let me say this real quick. Just to pose your initial feeling, saying, "Hey, my daughter dating a young man today," um, and I'm very aware of where that comes from. But for the most part, and we've had this discussion, quote unquote, about toxic masculinity, and the reality is, more men are protected than not. It's only in those circumstances, not just black men, but just men in general are protective in those circumstances versus random circumstances. Any thoughts, Queen? I don't think that my 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 perspective about her dating younger, some of what I here's of what I see, I don't think that's changed at this point. I'd have to go in and dive into the data and look at the numbers and see just how many and segment that into the various age groups. 
Um, because we have to be, be honest about something. You know, there's a clear differentiation in how the different, how the generations think differently as well. And so her at 23 and her dating pool is going to be different than me at 54. So I, I do think that there are nuances to that. Um, I, I, I do agree with everything that I've heard. Like, I don't disagree, and, and that's the thing that I've been having to explain to people. Two things can be true at the same time. Um, like, I understand why Will did what he did from a purely physiological perspective. I also don't think that he should have hit it. I also understand that Chris Rock was telling a joke, but I also believe that certain jokes are off limits. So all of those things for me are true. I, I think what supersedes it all is the type of joke that he told to a largely white audience. Um, that should never happen. Um, so let me throw this out. Let me throw this out. So I agree that that should never happen. When I listen to Tim, and this, and this is another part I agree with, when I listen to Tim, I can only see it in the perspective of, as Tim mentioned, that 20 seconds, what he put at risk. And we're talking about, and, and as he said, in that setting is probably the only place that we could even be having this conversation where he would have gotten away with it, but gotten away with it from a, a, lot of stand, a lot of different standpoints. You know, Joe Rogan was asking, you know, how did he slap a comedian and not go to jail immediately? How did he end up getting the award? That's one perspective. Or, as Tim said, if it happens anywhere else, and I'm not letting him smack me. And like I said, I don't think he's bold enough to go up against a, a T.K. Kirkland for who know, who, you know, who know T to the motherfucking K, how he get down, right? And so the perspective for us is all the things you're saying true. My add-on is the overreaction is the viewpoint of how men that are protected, we can kind of, some of us can, to a degree, only see it that way. Some of us, because, again, Quasi made the point that he did it too, so I'm not trying to say it's one or the other, but I'm just highlighting that at the end of the day, the big context is what I where I hear Tim just at the end of the day saying, hey, that could go real bad for both of those guys if we're highlighting this and not realizing how some of our younger children might see this moment if it's being highlighted, if it's some men of some of us see it as strictly an overreaction. Um, Ashley, have you processed what? Oh, go ahead, Latrice, jump in, Queen. Go ahead. I was going to say, um, I, 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 I don't disagree with that. I think it's definitely important that we take a look at it in that context of how our young, you know, young kids might process that and how they might um, conceptualize that in their mind and, and put it to, to use in their own lives. Hopefully, they won't. And I think, like, I didn't get to listen to D.L. Hughley's entire spiel about it, but when he was talking about it, he opened by saying, this is what happened. This happened because one man's trauma, one black man's trauma met another man's black man's trauma on that stage that night. And I think that defines precisely what happened. Exactly. Uh, Any other thoughts? Um, For the callers out there, you do have to press one. I see you out there if you want to get in. Um, we have to press one. Um, Ashley, do you want to make a quick call? I got another caller that wants to jump in. Do you want to jump in or go to, you want me to go to the caller? It's up to you. Uh, you can go to the caller. All right, here we go. We got a couple of callers jumping in. Area code 478, last three, 303. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three questions on this morning's question. Peace, family. How's it going? It's sincere. Out of Atlanta. Hey, what's going on, King? Thanks for getting in here. What you got for us, King? 
Hey, no doubt, no doubt, man. I said I wasn't going to uh, address this for a number of different reasons, but I'm so loving the conversation. Um, but as a happily married black man, I definitely understand where Will came from. And I also understand that coming from the streets, uh, some cats, they're going to pick the easiest fights. Right, so, like, looking at all of that, I've had to defend my wife uh, a couple of different times while we've been married. One time in public, and one time man-to-man, face-to-face, eye-to-eye, and toe-to-toe. So with that being said, we should never handle our business in front of white folks for entertainment because it gave the Oscars a boost. So that's number one. Mm-hmm. And, and number two, like when there's a history, we can't choose our actions and the re- reactions to our actions. Mm-hmm. So, so there's two things uh, going on here. We shouldn't be attacking our sisters for satisfying or using as satire the black woman. That's play. We got to get out of that. And we have to handle our disputes as black men in a better way so we don't become fodder for this entertainment uh, industry and machine. So there's a couple of different things uh, going on here, and I understand both both perspectives. So I appreciate the sisters putting it down because I'm riding with you. But with the Umar Johnson. Like, I've seen how he's handled strippers in public. I've seen him speak in public, handling a black man in public. So we got to live by these principles that we're spewing, or we become uh, Hippocratic rhetoric-spewing beings. And we have to uphold principles to be better and for our children to be better as a result of that. Hey, thank you for that three cents, King. That's the strongest three cents of the evening. I think it encapsulates a lot of what we're talking about. I'm going to play another cut um, in this next break from Umar, and that's a part of what I was going to speak to is, um, like you said, unfortunately there's a degree of rhetoric for for personal gain, if you will, that 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 takes us that emotionally sounds good, but takes us out of the actual that, like you just mentioned, there's a perspective of how we got to teach these boys and also getting on code to make sure our women are not the fodder, especially for others, but just in general. So I respect that thought a hundred percent. We got another caller, but we are up against the break, but thank you for your three cents, King. No doubt, fam. All right. So we're going to go to a break. Um, area code one, for, I mean, area code nine zero one. We'll get to you coming out of the break. You're listening to the mental dialogue talk show. But all I ask is that you think. Please join us on the weekend of April 29th through 30th for the Key Lombo Family Fun Fest. This event has something for the entire family with classes in African dance, art, drumming, cooking, martial arts, and many others. Kilambo Academic and Cultural Institute hosts a series of virtual fun, games, and engaging classes in order to raise money for their students' tuition and competitive salaries for their teachers. Kilambo Academic and Cultural Institute is an African-centered, accredited school in Decatur, Georgia. Kilambo's mission is to foster an academically excellent and culturally relevant education that produces students who are equipped to succeed globally and are committed to social justice. For more information or to become a sponsor of the Quilombo's Family Fun Fest, please visit them at quilomboschool.com. That is quilomboschool.com. 
K-I-L-O-M-B-O School.com In front of white folks, what the hell is going on with black women today? What the hell is going on with black women today? You all are a walking contradiction, and you need to do something about it, because if you don't, Black women in America today are a walking contradiction. You say you want respect, but you will shake your ass to music that disrespects you every day. You will say you want to be honored, but you will listen to the most disrespectful gangster rap music. You will go to the club half-dressed. You will go to the club half-dressed and shake your backside to disrespectful sexually subjective, racially demeaning messages from our super coon gangster rap artists, and then you'll come out the club after dancing to music that insults you and say, respect me. Make up your damn mind, black women. Make up your damn mind. Y'all either get respected or you get disrespected. Some of you can't wait to jump on YouTube, can't wait to get on social networks, and cheer on black men who have made a life, made a career, and made a calling out of humiliating black women. You have platforms on YouTube, platforms on Facebook, platforms on Instagram, platforms on the Internet, run by men, mostly black, whose sole purpose of the platform is to humiliate and degrade black women. And guess what? And guess what? Most of the people who subscribe and listen to these black men who have made it a career of condemning, criticizing, and humiliating black women, most of these men are followed by black women. Most of these men are cheered on by black women. The black woman's greatest pastime is to see black men humiliate and disgrace other black women. Post-traumatic slavery diseases. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. This morning's discussion question, did Will Smith slap, protect black women? Special guest Latrice Ross and Ashley Johnson Alfred, as we hear a cut from Umar Johnson. We have another caller out there as well. But before we go to the caller, um, ladies, um, any thoughts as Umar is passionately giving his version of how he sees this thing? Um, any truths, any agreements or disagreements with what he had to say. Um, Ashley, we'll start with you again as a guest. I'm trying to find the relevancy of it. Um, what is what we have on what we're doing in the club, what music we're dancing to? What does that have to do with whether or not we get protected or, or deserve protection? I'm, I'm just, I'm not seeing the correlation at all. At all. It, it would be what if we start saying we, we don't want to give black men love and support until they stop listening to rap music, until they stop driving Altimus? Like, it, it just, it's ridiculous, and I, I don't see the correlation at all. So maybe somebody try to help me see the other side of it. Okay, I'll throw this out. So there's a couple of places I would go again, and, and like Sincere said, um, and I'm, I'm a big person who always says, get the message. Forget the messenger, right? I say it quite often with a lot of things. 
Um, however, um, as Sincere alluded to, um, you know, again, the cut being particularly from this brother, if you will, um, here, here's an issue. Uh, I, in my opinion, this cut partly, just my opinion, is done to, in a sense, cater to and gain to some of his personal following, and if, if you will, or what, again, don't want to necessarily fault anybody for that, how they build their followers and things of that nature. But in doing so, um, there's an aspect to one, partly answer your question, but I want to go deeper with it. And Latrice, I think you've heard me talk about this before. Um, but to answer your question, so part of this quote-unquote battle that we see on social media, we're always talking about it, right? The growing gender war on social media. Uh, if, we're, if we're very honest, that gender war happens mostly on social media because dysfunctional people now have a platform, but it's not the majority of what people are doing, even in, within our community. The majority of people are not on social media, hurt people on there to share their stories with each other. When you're doing fine in life, you're not typically spending a lot of time having a bunch of arguments and playing blame games on the social media. Uh, we've talked about that many a times on on um, on this show, right? And so the correlation, I'm not saying it's a great correlation. I'm just trying to help, you know, consider, help you see it because I do understand a piece of the perspective. And men love to kind of highlight this, and they've probably heard this part before, Ashley. So men kind of, to a degree, there's an underlying thought that there are some sisters who, to a degree, want to be able to do anything and still receive protection. So that's how he's trying to make the relationship. Again, I'm just trying to help you see it from the viewpoint that he's supposedly making it because, again, he brought it into this conversation with a Will and Jada. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just trying to give you the thought thought process behind it, that on one hand you're saying protect black women and respect black women, but you do all these things that are, quote, unquote, disrespectful. So that's how he's trying to make the correlation. I would challenging with this idea and Latrice I want to hear your thoughts before we go to the college I would challenge you've heard me say this plenty of times before that even if those things if you will are factors and I do know men I'm a man right that can look at those things and be like how does that woman deserve respect I've seen it from that vein myself as a man but I challenge men to the idea that those things that kind of almost is actually asked in return that, okay, so she's dancing to the music that's being made by us. The challenge ends up being is we absolutely love to lay blame at the feet of the black woman for these things that we, in a sense, are leading the way of. I always talk about we're the generation, the first generation of boys to hear regularly every day Bitches ain't shit but hoes and tricks. I grew up with that as a mantra. So while every generation has went through its period, if you will, of growing it, sowing its wild oats, that's always been, in, in a sense, encouraged since the beginning of, you know, I don't know about since the beginning, but men have always been encouraged, in a sense, from that standpoint. But there was typically in the past a period in which you were expected to grow up and have a family. We are the generation that has lived out an extended adolescence, and we led the way on these things that we now turn around and fault our women for being okay with. We made it okay in the first place. So before we 
before uh, Umar saying, you're in the club dancing this, when are we going to own that we created the environment? And if we are, quote, unquote, the leaders, we created the environment that y'all just fell into, and now we blame you for falling into it. You've heard me say that before, Latrice, but I think it's a deeper part of this conversation. I hope it makes sense. Go ahead, Queen. Um, it definitely does make sense to me. Um, and, and as a people, we have so much trauma that needs to be healed. And to place the blame for how a generation now views itself and how they um, how they handle themselves um, is a myth for me. And like you said, he's speaking to his his followers who who like to take a misogynistic perspective when it relates to, to black women. Um, there's a group of us who don't want to own their part in where we are as a community of people. And Umar is one of those people. Um, I don't think that, well, I'm, I'm of the, the mindset that you meet people where they are and you try to help them grow and evolve. I don't think that simply because a woman's in the club dancing the music, it may be music that she can't even understand the words to, but she likes the beat. Um, and so we're looking at placing blame, and we don't know the whole scenario. I saw this played out on social media with, with Will and Jada. They made excuses for Will, I mean, to the point of saying that she had some kind of hold on him. They're creating whole fables to excuse Will from this relationship that he's a willing partner in. So he's a willing participant. All the, the dude, whatever his name was, said Will gave permission. That's how they live their marriage. But people are saying that Jada's bringing him down. He is a willing participant in that relationship. And so so we should just the F up, period, because that's their choice. Oh, no, no, go ahead, Queen. Right. Sorry. Right. And so they, people are saying she's doing this and this. They, they are doing that. They are. And so don't excuse them as saying it's from bad influence. As a unit, exactly. But see, they're saying she doesn't deserve it because of this, because she put you know she does this and she does that. They do this, but they're excusing Will. And that's what we see time and time again. I, I, I get into discussions with people about single moms are the problem. Well, well if there were no dads, there wouldn't be single moms, would there? Because it takes two to get pregnant. But yet you place the blame for where we are on single motherhood. But where are the dads who walk away? So we need to stop placing blame and start focusing on healing and resolution. That's the problem. And that's, that's the issue that I'm bringing out. When, we talk, when I talk about protecting black women now, it's not really about stepping up and hitting somebody. How about not attacking us? That's what I'm talking about. Ashley, um, was well, well, able to give you a little context. Again, not saying I agree with you, just trying to walk you through the mindset because, again, we quite often will simply lay the blame and not own our part. And I'm willing to say – and when I say our part, I'm just talking about the part for the environment because I still stand by. Um, the majority of men are not in that space, but the men who take the time to play that blame game are not looking at themselves. So I do want to make that distinction because Latrice has also heard this. The, um, the men who are immature in that space, and some, again, live out extended adolescence well into their 40s, 50s, and 60s, so it's not an age thing, but literally 
the immature and the mature men, if you will, they're literally like oil and water, and the immature men in, in, in do, in a sense, do a, a, a lot of harm to the extent that it get extend it gets extended too. But we're literally all in water and don't interact. I don't know if you know that or not. Um, but any 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 did I help give any context to what he was attempting to I mean, say? Yeah, I, even I, though I don't agree with. I him. get the context. I get the context. I guess I would I would want to shift the conversation to. I mean, if y'all are oil and water, how how are these men who do have this belief um, similar to Umar? How how do they get educated? How do they learn? How do they right. how do they develop these skills if y'all are so divided? Because the reality is men don't want to learn how to be men from women, and they can't. We can post all day about this situation and what you should have done, what you need to do for your wife, your daughter, your mother, but the reality is men do not want to hear how to be a man from a woman. So if y'all are oil and water, we got this, yeah, this group of men over here who we going to protect and defend, provide, and then this other group, you know, we don't mess with them other men who don't who don't think this way. How is right. it ever going to be combined? And then to take it a step further, both. Oh, I won't answer your question, but go ahead. Men, you want to take it a step further. Go but, ahead. I can't, I can't yeah, wait to answer your question. I got to answer it. Go ahead, Queen. Take it to the next level. Both sets of these groups of men, right, are having children. So y'all are having sons, and are y'all teaching them the same thing? Like, are those sons going to interact? Are they going to be water and oil as well? Like, who's going to oh, teach this? Right? I can't wait to you. I'm letting you ask your question. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm listening to the answer. I'm listening to the answer. I got an answer for you, Queen. I got an answer for you. Let's I'm here for it. Yeah, I'm going to stick this caller in real quick. Um, nine zero one last three one five one. I'm going to give you a whole minute. I know that's not a long time, but you're going to get a whole minute to get your three cents off so I can answer Ashley's question coming out of the break. All right, 151, you're live on the air. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. 151, you live on the air. All right, I'll go to the next one. Some of y'all miss y'all pressing one and not talking. All right, let's go to 301-697. We'll give you a full minute. Live on the air, give us your three cents. Uh, good morning. This is Marilyn Arduin. I'm calling from Philadelphia. Hey, how you doing, Queen? I, give you a, I might keep you on. You know, you 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 help me out before, so I might keep you on after the break. But go ahead and give us your, at least the initial part of your thoughts. Well, sure. I think um, I'm agreeing with so much of what um, the sisters have been saying so far. But I think one of the overarching things for me is that um, we become so desensitized to black women being the butt of jokes and, you know, music and different things like that, that it seems like many of us are more shocked about the violence of Will Slap than we are about the violence and the audacity of Chris's words. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think we tend to forget that words can be violent, regardless of the intent of words. Like, you know, there's such a thing as fighting words. And while, you know, I don't uh, condone or advocate for Will's response, he had a lot of, you know, or at least several options for how he could have responded. Um, I, I don't condemn him for uh, the choice that he made in the moment. Um, just like, you know, this is a talk about the Amidala hijack. I mean, we can't, you know, you can't determine or dictate um, someone's response, how they receive what you say and how they respond to it once you've made the choice of putting it out there. 
And I think we talk a lot about how Will chose Chris Rock because he was, you know, someone he knew that he could get away with doing what he did. But at the same time, I think Chris Rock also chose the low-hanging fruit because he was in this room full of these people who are, you know, powerful in the space that he's in. And he chose the one of the few black people in the room. No, that makes sense. Let me let me do that. Yeah, let me. That's a great point. And it's almost like as we're beating Will Smith up for choosing Chris Rock, you're saying vice versa. He probably felt very protected and chose that that queen. That's a very good thought. Thank you for that queen. I'm gonna keep you on for the next segment as well. I'm gonna go ahead and you know, meet you for now. We'll be right back. We're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. Where all I ask is that you think. For all the success stories that we see in traders, there are countless others, thousands, even millions of others, of unsuccessful people who were wiped out. Again, that money had to come from somewhere. These are the first questions that keep you in the game because, again, what trading is not, is not a game. Trading is a practice, it's art and science in a way that if you do it correctly, you can make money. This course is designed to help you as a trader, as a young, burgeoning trader, or if you've had some experience and maybe some difficulties in trading, to understand the elements that are involved in what makes trading as hard and competitive and hopefully see some of the success that you probably thought that you would have in the first place. If you are looking to get into investing, whether it's foreign exchange or learning to invest in the trade stock market, Blacks Academy, look them up on YouTube. That's B-L-A-X-E Academy. Uh, we were fortunate enough to have the founder, Michael Sutler, on the show, and that brother is doing wonderful things, and the people that are taking his classes are blown away. 17 years of experience before starting his course. It's the real deal, not one of these get-rich-quick things. It's the real deal on how to do it and create a foundation. If you're looking to purchase or sell a home in Atlanta's competitive real estate market, there's only one real estate agent we call on, Ephraim Abdullah. Not only is he honest and straightforward, but he has a proven, repeatable strategy that consistently gets his clients the homes they wanted versus their second or third choice. What's Ephraim's secret? His virtual on-the-spot offer moves his clients to the front of the line for purchases and for sales. His no-nonsense approach gets your home sold and off the market. For a results-oriented real estate experience, contact Ephraim Abdullah, a licensed agent powered by EXP Realty at 770-800-7922. Again, that number is 770-800-7922. Would you please hurry up? What did you say? It's just cold. Put your hands on your head and get on the ground now. Are you serious? Get on the fucking ground! Get on the fucking ground! Why is he under arrest? Get back in the car, you're going to jail too! I am an attorney and I demand to know why this man is sir. under arrest. Sir, 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 we don't have to do Why this, is he sir. under arrest? What is your get name? Get back in the car. No, no, what no, no. is your badge number? I'm not going to tell you, get back in the fucking car. Get back in the car. Get back Why in the car. Why is he we under got arrest? This. Sir, we don't have to. What sir, is your sir, badge sir, number? Sir, 
It was a turn signal. Ain't, ain't done nothing wrong. It's so I'm right. reaching for my cell phone. Keep your I have right to reach to record this. Keep your hands on your cell phone. I'm reaching for my cell Toya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Patrice Ross. Special guest is Ashley Johnson Alfred for this morning's discussion question. Did Will Smith's slap protect black women? And just heard a cut from one of mine and Ashley's favorite movies of all time, Queen and Slam. One of my favorites. Although she and I vehemently disagree on this on this scene right here for those that have seen that movie for those who don't have context unfortunately again very popular movie almost what almost a couple years ago now uh but very popular movie and that scene is basically a police scene brother gets pulled over for blinking tail light bs reason cops starts going over the board sister jumps out so just kind of giving context for those who haven't seen the movie so they know what they just heard jumps out and the cop is pretty much going overboard with the brother. The cop tells her to get back in the car. The brother eventually says, get back in the car. And because she's a lawyer, knows the law, she says, hey, I'm going to record the situation. The cop shoots her. So just know that you know what the shots were. The cop shoots her uh, in the leg. The, him and the cop get the battling. Gun goes awry. They battle. The brother gets to the gun and shoots the cop. Again, had to give the context for those who have not seen that movie. Um, but I think I didn't know your question was going to time out so perfectly, um, Ashley, but you got to bear with me on this because um, when I asked you to be on the show, I wasn't thinking of using that cut, but I thought it was so perfect because, again, you and I battle so much on that particular scene. And the battle is the man saying, get back in the car. We and Ashley and I did a, a special edition show on Queen of Slim. Again, great movie. But this particular part, I said, she should have got back in the car when the brother told her to get back in the car. And Ashley being the type of queen she is, she was like, no, I'm not going to let my man go down in that situation by himself. I'm going to step out, um, you know, and do exactly like um, Queen did. And so when you ask the question about these, I'm go deep here. I hope I'm going to go deep here. When you ask this question about black men being oil and water and what does it look like, how do we remedy if, you know, if it is true what I say, that the mature and immature men are oil and water. And like you said, absolutely, both are having, both are having children. And so, unfortunately, the context of having, in a sense, more wayward boys, if you will, that are, that are out here is – the long-term results of us not having traditional families now for 60 or 70 years. And so we're actually witnessing, in a sense, the first generation that didn't get some context of ideas and responsibility, boys and girls, right, 
coming from the natural family. We are the first generation. We literally are the generation that's living that out for the first time in human history. If you really understand how families have been put together up until now. And so the dialogue for how do you fix it? Here's the unfortunate reality. And this is absolutely not a cop out, but the unfortunate reality is the values that y'all are needing our boys and girls, but in particular the, the men, because that's who you asked me about, the values that are necessary have never been delivered in any other space than through the natural family. What we do now to put a Band-Aid on our current situation where three-fourths of us are being raised and born outside of a two-parent home the Band-Aid that we currently put on is, again, we are all in water. And so if we make, and for the sake of this analogy, if we make the water the good brothers, so the reality is those brothers marry, or even if they're not married, they're the ones that are, are involved. They're not the deadbeat dads, which is still the majority of you know men that, that have children, if you will. But those brothers who are water, if you dig into their lives, and I'm pretty sure y'all know men like this, not only are they ensuring that their seeds are being raised well, but I find very few men that are in the water group, if you will, that are not stretched with coaching, mentoring, rites of passages that are looking literally that very much understand there is a, in a sense, we are in crisis mode when it comes to family structure that are not all stretched thin trying to give back to more than just their seeds. And now we're, I think we fail to be honest as a culture to realize that for as stretched as they are, there's more seeds being had than can be mentored. So what happens is, programs, boys and girls clubs, those are the band-aids and the fixes for trying to bring more of the young boys that are, if you will, in the R group over to the water group. Here's a reality. If that R group grows up and gets to 18, 19, 20, it's damn near a lost cause. Some of those men do come over, if you will, but the reality is you literally learn completely different values. And so while I'll gladly check a young man who doesn't exhibit the same values as I do, it's not, it may sound like an excuse, but the reality is the water group never hangs with the oil group and the oil group never hangs with the water group. And some people say, well, you should try to do more of that. The reality is, when you're immature, because some, some, some kids have enough values. They may have been off while they're immature, and they mature and get into the water group. A lot of boys do that as well. But while you're in the R group, you avoid accountability at all costs. So you don't want to be around those men. And if the men check you, you dismiss what they're saying because you got your own way of thinking, and it's not the way that those – that's not what you want to do. And so what happens is the water group, tries to catch boys because we can still mold them. We're raising our own right, and we're, you know, I'm in the after-school program. We're catching them 
trying to catch them. And it's difficult if their foundation at home ain't the one we're trying to give them. Because I'm talking to them, if I'm, you know, in the past, I used to do a, a, a couple of schools that I used to mentor at. But I was seeing that kid once a week. By the end of the year, my influence is less because every day he's going home to completely different values than the ones I'm trying to instill into him as a young man. I love being a part of an after-school program because I get four hours with these kids every day. So it's definitely very different. But the reality is without a return to family structure, we're just putting Band-Aids on the oil and water group. And it's not that the water don't want to hang with the oil. The oil, and when I was immature, I didn't want to take those lessons either because I ain't always been water. That's the whole truth, Ashley. Your thoughts, Queen? Man, what a sad reality. That's a sad reality. But, I mean, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. I guess it's, I mean, you just add it to the work that we have to do in our community and hope that somehow, some way, we, we change the projected of it. And I, I don't know. The, 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 somehow, the somehow is every culture in the world values family. African Americans have had a traumatic history to where we've lost that value. I'm not saying that as blame, but it is our reality. And so the only way you turn that around is a lot of the messaging we don't like to hear now. It is strong families. It It, it is because cultures are not can't make it outside of that because it's hard to raise children it's hard even when you got things ideal and humans we not really to a degree we ain't really meant to stay together without a great reason the children are the reason that that humans have done it the way they've done it for so long we're in a cycle where we're trying to do it outside of that and making arguments about Options that are absolutely failing when you look at the overall numbers. I've talked us all the way to the break, so I'm going to do this last break, and I definitely want to hear Latrice's thoughts. Uh, i got Marilyn still hanging on the line. I want to hear her thoughts. I'll share a little bit of her background for why I want her to jump in at this point, because she's perfect. I would love to hear her perspective based on what she does uh, for a living. So I'm going to get her back in as well. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. LNG Technology Services, we are your industry leader in aircraft and heavy equipment repair services. In commercial business for over 15 years, LNG technicians have over 150 years of equipment-specific knowledge and are known industry-wide for returning worn-out, broken, and overused ground support equipment back to the user in working better than new conditions. For a service job done right at a value unparalleled in the industry, contact LNG Technology Services at 478-781-4860. Again, for a service job done right, that number is 478-781-4860. LNG Technologies is a Mental Dialogue Gold member and proud sponsor of the Mental Dialogue community. Are you intimidated by money? While this is a question most people never think to ask themselves, 
But when forced to think about it, many people realize they have unrecognized fears that truly affect how they deal with money. If you want to learn more about money and the fears that keep you from prosperity, join us for Making Money Matter Mondays, where money meets mental health with personal finance coach, Ashley Thomas, and psychotherapist, Dr. Katrina Pitts. Every second Monday of the month, find out if you're intimidated by money and what to do about it. To receive a link to this free Zoom event, please DM the Making Money Matter or the Mentor Dialogue Instagram pages or contact 404-604-9477. Fellas, learn conflict resolution. Fellas, learn verbal judo. Fellas, learn how to pull somebody to the side and let them know you'll beat their ass behind your gal. And y'all handle that shit one-on-one. You ain't got to bring everybody in your shit. That was an emotional outcry last night. Even when you saw his response, keep my wife's fucking name out your mouth. That was an emotional response right there. We always, always, always regret the decisions that we make based on emotion. I will protect my wife, man. Anybody know me, man? They know I will. I will die for my family. I will die behind my family, like straight up. If my family is in imminent danger, and I need to do what I need to do, if I need to protect my family, hey, it is what it is. That wasn't it last night. That wasn't it. That was sucker shit. Just was what it was. That was some sucker shit. So this is a pres- this is setting the precedent that black women. Not the community as a whole or off limits. I don't know about that. I don't know about that one, man. I I, I don't know about that one. I don't. I, I'm not gonna. I I don't know about that. I, we we can agree to disagree with that because black men protect and defend their women. That's that that is a false narrative created by black feminism to perpetuate black men as being, you know, just this one person. I disagree with that, man. I disagree with that. I don't have no homeboys that... And here's the thing with that statement right there. Is that the statement based on if black people do something to you or if other people do something to you? You know what I'm saying? Because what we saw last night was just some nigga shit. That's, that ain't nothing. That's why he didn't get in trouble. That's why he got a chance to go stand up there and give the award out. That white folks just looked at him and said, oh, just two niggas being niggas. That, that, that wasn't defending. Because you saw, and, I, and I'm not, I don't, you know, y'all, I'm an independent. I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. So I'm not trying to make this political. But you saw what it was last week in those Supreme Court hearings, right? They don't give a fuck about, <laughs> they don't give a fuck about black women. <laughs> Regardless of if they agree with their politics or not, like, come on, man, that's that's white people don't give a shit about that kind of shit. They don't. That's not gonna change their mind. Ain't gonna change their mind. It ain't. We we still gonna see black women getting their ass beat when they go buy go to the uh to the hair stores. We still gonna see it. it it's just not gonna change their mind. That's just my opinion. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question, did Will Smith slap protect black women? Special guest, 
Ashley Johnson Effort, special guest co-host Latrice Ross, um, a last cut from Tim Jackson. Um, if you will, Latrice, uh, I know there's probably something you want to dig in with the cut, but I would love to get your thoughts about what I was saying to Ashley when she asked that question. What does it look like to have the oil and water mix, if you will? It's very difficult for them to mix. And like I said, a lot of the water, if you're going to call, we're going to call them the good guys. We do it with mentoring programs. The brother you just that you just heard, whether you agree with him or not, he, want, he runs one of the most extensive uh, black male mentoring programs that I know of in the Dallas area. Um, I've supported it as well because he's so effective with raising men to be just like he is about his wife raising real men. So regardless of whether you, anybody agrees with his opinion or not, again, he was just putting his opinion out there, but I brought it to the table because it is a perspective of a man that, like he said, we don't have anybody in our circle that get down, uh, you know, like that, which again, I think you know that about me as well. Uh, but I highlighted something that we never really considered the fix for what we're doing today. I think it starts with the messaging of understanding the importance, which you hear me say all the time, of healthy marriages before children because it's the only way to give out the values in a culture and society, and the rest of the world is still doing it that way, even though we're seeing less of, less of, less of it for all cultures. But we've been in this space for 40, 50 years now. Go ahead, Queen. Um, I agree with you on the family um, being, if the issue being, the root of the issue being with the family union or, or lack thereof. Um, when we think about how our family unit our structure was broken um, and the ensuing things that came out of it, like the whole independent woman thing came out of our family structure being broken up um, because women were left to raise their kids and they were, the, that's where the whole cliche came, came about that we raise our daughters but love our sons. And that very dynamic has created what we're dealing with now Um, because we raise our daughters to be strong and independent and not depend on anybody. But many people, and I have friends who do this, coddle their sons and they don't raise them to be strong and independent and stand up. And if we can get that family structure back in place, we would do so much to negate what we see happening in our community now because there would be, there would be understanding of, of how, you communicate. Let me, let, me, let me rephrase it. If we get healthy, functional family units in place, then we can help our community, our young people learn how to um, resolve conflict effectively, um, understand the concept of emotional intelligence, understand what it means to, to engage in conflict resolution. All of those things are extremely important, and more often than not, we don't get those things. We don't get those things during our formative years. We don't get um, understanding of how what it means to relate um, to a different gender. And because so many of us, when I when I was, I often ask groups of people when we're engaging in this conversation, who taught you how to love? And more often than not, they tell me nobody. Because my my mom was married, my dad, my parents weren't married, and so I taught myself how to love. But that's you, you taught yourself how to, to get by, but is it functional? And that's what we're missing. We're missing that loving, functional family unit that, in a sense, imparts those values and those things that we're all talking about now. 
Um, yeah, we're, we're running from the fix. Let me get, let me get a, a quick thought from Maryland because we we're about to run. Uh, I'm going to extend the okay. show. I don't know if either of you have time, but just for those that are listening, um, this is really more for people that hear the podcast after the fact. Because if you're online at 12, you won't hear it. For those on the phone, you'll hear the extended show. But for all of you online, just heads up. You can go and um, hear the rebroadcast and just skip to the to, to the extended show to hear what we do at 12, but if you're online, it will go off for you today live. I want to just get Marilyn to sneak in here real quick. Marilyn, I need you to make it as quick as possible, but if um, but this queen, uh, if you would, just give a quick bit of your background and give me a thought about what I said to Ashley and answer her question, how do we fix it currently? Um, I am a behavioral therapist, and I work supporting women and their families. Um, and I absolutely um, think that you're um, with that assessment. Um, I think that we are losing big time and that we don't have the family structure. We don't have the human beings learn by example more than we do anything else. And if we don't have that example of families, we don't have that example of, um, of men and women in relationship, in healthy relationships, then if, and you said a really important thing, which is like on a daily basis, it's one thing to get mentoring, um, you know, from someone in the fourth outside of your family. Sometimes that may or may not have a lasting impact. But what absolutely has a lasting impact is what you see on the daily in your household, what children grow up around on a daily basis, and the examples that they have around them on a daily basis is what really determines um, who they become more than anything else. So uh, thank you for that quick thought. Um, I want to make sure if either of you want to give out any public information, do it at this time. I'm going to share a piece from my upcoming book, Re-Education of the Negro, and I want to extend the conversation if y'all are able to stay on for a few more minutes just to ask a couple questions from it, as well as anybody on the phone line. I'm going to open up to y'all as well. And this is, again, intentionally being extended to add to the current podcast. We're only three minutes away before it cuts off for those that are online. If you're online and want to hear this last three minutes, you need to call 646-787-1691. Again, that's 646-787-1691, and you will continue to hear us live. Or, again, you could just catch the broadcast later. Um, Ashley, any public information um, that you would like to get out to the public at this time is up to you. Uh, same as always, uh, you can find me on any outlet. It's my full name, Ashley Johnson-Alfred, A-O-F-O-R-D. I am very approachable. I connect all the time, so you can definitely find me there. All right. Latrice, anything you want to give out publicly? Um, No. Uh, they can okay. find me online at Treese Ross on all the um, social media apps. All right. Sounds good. Well, I'm going to go. So, again, this is an extend, extension, and this is something I do just so you know, I have a, um, for anybody that's out there listening, I also do a, a video live interactive podcast, m- mostly on Wednesday nights called Just My Three Cent Podcast, and that's typically where I share these pieces. But I thought this piece was very prevalent. Um, um, Ashley and Latrice, I have a few more minutes to this. It's a real quick read to um, stay with sure. me just to do this. Okay, cool. Um, Ashley, you good for me? Yeah, I'm here. All right, perfect. All right, let me read this piece. And I want to ask y'all, this is a discussion question from our, these are discussion questions in the upcoming book. Uh, all right, here we go. So for anybody, just to give a context for the upcoming book, Re-Education of a Negro, it's basically um, commentaries by myself, uh, 
to invoke discussions. And so you're going to see it right now happen live on the air as I read this commentary to these to both of my queens here, and we'll have a dialogue about this actual piece. This piece says, Black faculty speaks to black men. To all black people, first and foremost, we would all do ourselves a big favor to stop arguing over who has it worse in America between the black man and black woman, especially since America still has its foot on both of our necks. However, black men in general, we must become acutely aware of how we've adopted behaviors that do not value the black woman for the goddess she is. If we are very honest, the majority of black women have stood with us historically and currently, at least until the recent gender wars have brought this into question. Yes, more of our queens seem to be falling for this, falling for this divisive rhetoric for black men. It is our failure to honor and protect our women in the first place that gave gateway to the environment. I'm not pointing the finger, but I am speaking reality to the responsibility we, as black kings, must make to turn this around. I am guilty, as most of us are, but kings feeling unsupported by our queens is a weak position to take. And when we choose this position, the question becomes, how can we find value in our queens? Unfortunately, any man settling on this position will probably never see the true value of the black woman and therefore fail to ever enter a healthy marriage with one, if at all. Although the increasing number of men agreeing with this position also results from the lack of intact nuclear families in the black community over the past 60 years. As a community, we must remember for all of our efforts to improve our collective economics, education, mental and physical health, etc., it is all for naught until we heal the basic relationship between the black man and black woman. The cornerstone of robust communities are strong families, period. The first step is for kings to respect and protect all queens as if they were our own sisters and mothers. They are worthy of respect and adulation, regardless of how they may carry themselves, simply because they are the givers of life. Although I must say to the queens, there is a great deal of power in how you carry yourselves that will make us kings fall in line and protect you. Despite my suggestion that men respect women no matter what, like it or not, this suggestion does not recognize how men and women in general are inherently wired different. This has nothing to do with social constructs. Like I always tell my closest sisters, when they seek my advice on men, I ask, do you want to discuss how men should be, or do you want to discuss how men truly are? Just my three cents. All I ask is that you think. The first discussion question, I want to hear your thought, both of your thoughts on it, is number one discussion question, again, from the book, Re-Education of the Negro, coming out soon. The question is, do you think men and women should aim for equal roles or complementary roles in their relationships? Ashley, I'll start with you as the guest. Start with me. Uh, no, yeah, I wanted to make it hard on you. That's why I went to you first. I didn't want you to cheat off of the tree. That's why I picked you first. Okay. So, I'm going to start with you, Ashley. It's not about equality in a relationship. It's about equity because we don't both have equal capabilities. We don't have the same capacity. We don't have the same role. So I absolutely think it's more so about complementing one another in the relationship. So I think we have to push past equality because it's never going to be equal. A man's never going to be equal to a woman. A woman's never going to be equal to a man. But equity, if we get equity in a relationship, I think that's what makes it more successful. And so real quick, Latrice, I would challenge 
even equity. Complementary is different than equity, in my opinion, but go ahead, Latrice. Um, I think it's, first of all, I don't think that it's anything that you really have to plan. I think that more often than not, folks fall into those roles that they're comfortable in, and more often than not, they complement each other. Um, I think that when you are in a position and you're trying to make it equal to, that you begin to lose the just the natural evolution of how you fit together in a relationship. And it takes away the harmony and makes it more about um, transactions instead of just, you know, that, that, that comfortable way that you just, um, that you just wind up being in a relationship. So, so for let me, me so it's complimentary. Oh, okay, I thought you were finished. I'm sorry, go ahead. I thought you were finished. No, just for me, it's complimentary. Got you. It's and so let me throw this out. So, so it's a lot of things that we learn, like we talked about specifically for the African-American community, right, that there was ideas. And so what happens is we've learned ideas that have taken us out of what is natural, if you will. And so before learning those ideas, the comp- that's what's happened for a lot of years. You just kind of, since, in a sense, complementary, complementary fell into your space based on those natural differences. But we are living in a world that highlights every the opposite of those natural differences. So that's why it's more difficult, in my opinion, for people to fall into, in a sense, the natural roles of a man and a woman. And, again, that can look very different for a, a particular couple. But there are things that are natural. But, unfortunately, if you're coming in with the wrong ideas, that's the butting of the heads that we're currently watching and watching, in a sense, the divorce rate, it used to be increasing. It's been settled for the last 10 to 20 years, believe it or not. But, you know, 50% of the people in half the divorces is a bad number compared to a lot of you know, other parts of the world. Europe and, US have, Europe, Europe and the U.S. has the highest divorce rates relatively in the sense the rest of the world. Not that, you know, not getting divorced proves necessarily anything, but I'm just kind of highlighting that the, the ideas that have gotten us away from being complementary is part of the issue, and we're kind of refusing to look at those compliments, in my opinion. Any thoughts from either of you before I ask you a second question and get off this thing? Um, I think that's true. Um, I think, and people try to interject nonsense into your relationship. A guy asks me, so do you fix your booze plate? First of all, it's not your business, and, it, you know, what I do is, is in our relationship is my business. But that one question just sends people over the edge. And really, it's, you know, if I'm in there and, and, and he well, he's ready to eat and I feel like it, cool. But, you know, you you have to remove the external world from what you're building internally. And until we do that, we're going to continue to have issues in our relationships. All right. Let's go to number two. The next one is, again, this is from the upcoming book, Re-Education of the Negro. Second question is, have men changed or mostly remained the same over the last 50 years? Ashley, start with you again. No cheating off. Latrice. Oh, <laughs> have men changed or have they remained? Yeah, I think naturally they have to change. Naturally they have to change. Um, I'm, I'm trying to be careful in my response, right? Don't be careful. Um, you say the show to be careful on. No, no, no. No, not be careful. careful in my response. No, candidates I is what we require. I, politically. I, I think they have to change 
because they're human. I mean, the times are changing, women are changing, relationships are changing, dynamics are are changing. So, yes, I think black men have changed. That's my final answer. That's it. All right. We ain't changed one bit in the last 50 years. Latrice? Um, Both genders have changed, um, and not necessarily for the best. Um, You got the pink pill movement on one side. You got divested queens on the other side. And that change is divisive and detrimental to us as a community of people. Uh, I'm not familiar with – I'm not familiar with those – so either one of those terms help me out so I can follow your context. I don't know. I've never so heard of them. The pink pill movement is where men are, are the ones who are not being treated equi- equally or equitably. Oh, and no, we're the no. ones who are discriminated against. And the divested queens are saying we're tired of black men's BS. And oh, we're divesting okay. ourselves from Blackistan is what they yeah, call you see, Yeah, you see how like men like myself didn't even know they exist? You feel me? Like, it's a, oh, they, oh, they exist in huge numbers. <laughs> Yeah. So, so I'm standing by the men who ain't changed at all over the last 50 years, and so um, if we haven't changed, what does that mean to either of you? The men that haven't changed. I think mean, it's a lack of self growth. If you haven't changed, I'm not talking about the individual that doesn't grow up. I'm not talking about the individual. Why? You know, obviously as individuals, you're supposed to grow and change. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about men in general. As a species, we as a species, we still want the same thing, stuff we always wanted since the existence of human history. If it's changing, it's due to what we just talked about, the boys that have been raised outside of family structures. So that is a – so young boys are – Again, I mentor a lot of these boys and try to help them with how they, in a sense, understand their emotions. Not that I necessarily have it perfect, but I'm just saying, you know, I came up in, a, you know, in, in, you know, my dad was in my life, my grandfather was in my life, so I got some examples. A lot of these boys don't have it at all. So to get out of the nuance of that, I'm now actually generalizing here to have that discussion in a sense that men have not changed over the last 50 years, and it's not an argument about. Well, I guess you can make the argument. The argument that gets made is that we have to change. But what does it mean, for the most part, if men still want the same thing they've always wanted? What does that mean for the potential for relationships? I think that it's in today's society, it may be difficult to navigate, and, and people may get disillusioned in the process. Um, depending on how you approach going after that thing that you desire to have in a relationship, um, because a lot of folks have changed, and while you may want those same things, so those old Old school things, you know, healthy relationship, loving wife, you know, kids, picket fence, all of that. Um, I think because we live in a changed society, how you go about getting that or attaining that is sometimes challenging, particularly depending on the stage of life that you're in. Yeah, I'll leave it with this. The challenge is I don't know that men are going to change. I don't think the world accepts that. I'm just being very honest. And so we if that if that is true, 
that we have to find a way to get a healthy marriage out of that reality. And if we and us not accepting is is creating the dial the dis, disconnect. So are you Maybe. are you now saying that we should accept that? We because it just does not seem like something that is appealing to now say, okay, they're not going to change, so we're just going to have to meet them where they are and hope that we can build healthy relationships based on that. That just that's not a that is what's contributing to the divorce rate. But even further than that, that's what's contributing to why we are not married now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What it is is, but it's not accepting like like they're like men are naturally this way. The issue that men have is without us in these boys' lives, they're they're acting the way that they're they're the ones that's making the you not feel protected come true. We they they're not supposed like the majority of men don't act that way, but we got a problem with the men that do. We not like like yes, that's the truth. It's a hard accept, but it's if 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 we ever consider it working, it's work, and men are not going to change the ones that do don't have typically don't have men in their lives in most cases. So it it absolutely contributes. But how how, how do you want me to act unnatural? I know how to act unnatural if I wasn't raised into it. It's unnatural. The same way that women have to change and adapt. Even if you don't have it, go get it. There are way more resources in today's world for People who did not have every every successful this, uh, marriage this is didn't, not about have, didn't resources. come from. What I'm talking about has nothing to do with having resources. It has nothing to do with having resources. What I'm talking about the so, things that so are natural, things that are natural existed before resources okay. existed. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Queen. Okay, so so you're let me understand. You're saying that based on how people naturally are, men are not naturally changing at all. Well, they are without being raised in raised in a complementary situation where they're getting an example. So yes, boys are changing. But that's a resource. What you mean? What's, what's, what's what you mean as a resource? What's a, I don't understand what you mean by that. It, what's it, a resource? It's a resource to to have that family, to have that male. Oh yeah, yes, 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 you have it. That's the resource. resource. Yes. Right. So. So after so, the resource, we're just supposed to take them. Out I have to hop off, guys. Yeah, no problem, Queen. Okay. So, so I'm sorry, say it again, Ashley. So if if they don't have those resources, then women should just accept them as they are in a relationship and just hope it works. No, that's not what I'm saying. So okay, no, that's cool. That's cool. It's a good question. And the reason I'm saying that is I want to highlight when you first asked the question. Remember when you first asked me the question about almost 45 minutes ago. Well, how do you f- figure this thing out with the oil and water as it is? So I made a whole case for what that looks like because I don't want it to be that way. And I'm still charging good brothers, but again, most of them are, are stretched. This is keeping it in the book, are stretched in doing what they're doing right now uh, or whatever. I don't even have a family, and it's a bunch of work out of school every day. You feel me? But you know, when I add a family to that, how much will I be able to do as much as I'm doing now? You know what I mean? I just keep it in the book. So I get to be involved with kids much more than most of my friends who still mentor or coach and things of that nature. And so I'm just kind of – so um, oh, I'm not telling you to accept 
you know, those guys who haven't had that resource, right? Um, if, if, if I have a daughter, I'm trying to train her how to find a, a man with the values that I was fortunate that my grandfather gave, that my grandfather gave me that my dad, you know, to a degree, some, to a degree, something that my dad gave me. I hope she listens and finds that type of guy because I do know there's a bunch of, so no, I'm not simply saying except, but I say haven't changed. I'm talking about ultimately for family structures that have existed in the past, the, the, the dynamic or the push for men to be different isn't taking hold. And it probably won't. But everything that our society pushes us towards, and I'll give you an example of what I mean, and we can jump off this thing. So um, this is going to be a far left example, and, and, and some people are going to hear it and probably jump through the hoops because I'm not going to develop it. We're just going to throw it out there. But I'm, but there's, here's a dynamic of, of to a degree what I mean, and it may not. I hope you. I think you will see how it relates. But somebody hears it now, will be like, "What the hell is he talking about?" I almost want to do a whole show on this, but. One of the things that I do in my after-school program, for example, is, you know, we're in a generation of everybody, you know, gets a participation trophy. And I know you're not about that life either, but we're in that era. So I've been in the after-school space for about six six to eight years now. I can't remember exactly how long. Uh, probably a little longer than that, but it's about specifically as an uh, uh, instructor. And so I, that is the push within the school, but the, at the after-school program, that is not an option. At a program that I'm involved in And we're in a world now That that Aspect of society In my opinion Gives way all, all the way to the situation Where we now have a world in which You know we got Transgender men competing With women in this, in that it, I think it all gave way Two, for example, using this participation trophy stuff, this is the generation that has accepted this. And men with the way that we are and very competitive and the things that we would set up and still require is quite often frowned upon in society. So it's a kind of an off-the-cuff um, off example to what I mean and how men really hate what's getting pushed in this society. And a lot of times within the political realm or even in the educational realm, the things that we would push are shot down. I almost have to create the competition without the school knowing it. Are you still there? I'm here. So, again, it's an off-kilter, but I'm just saying in a lot of areas, the, the, the what's natural to us, they're not changing that. And I think to we have to find a healthy situation based on some of the older values because the danger and the things that y'all are fearful of are existing because of the lack of masculinity that we see. It's very difficult for good brothers to watch the same videos y'all watch where you see a, you know, a young girl assaulted by a young man with a skateboard or a woman get jumped in the, in a subway and the young you know men or uh, even you know maybe even some older men just sit there like like as cringeful as that is for you, it's cringeful for every man that would not accept that, but we know we see and know exactly what them young boys are scared of, 
Like uh, the last example I'll leave you with, and I know you'll remember it, but you remember when they that young girl got in South Carolina got slain across the room when they called it resource officer. I do. And when I saw, because I don't, you know, you know enough about me to know, I stopped watching that kind of stuff. But back then, I still would check out certain things, and I saw that video. And I'm looking at those young boys allow him to do it, and then even more so, the psychology of that teacher and that administrator that would even call that resource, the weak ass psychology of that that they couldn't handle that one way wayward child. I think that's the dangerous world we go up in if we keep trying to move men off the masculinity and what's to our nature. And I think the world is moving us off of it, and that's how that can happen. Because I cannot imagine, you know, I can think about some of the coaches and teachers we had back back in high school. Now, my father in the 70s, he almost got – he was the best basketball player on that high school and almost lost a whole season because he hit a referee. Ain't no way that resource officer could have slung that girl in our, in our classroom. When I, and, you know, this is – and we and we grew up – we brought up caught up partly in the same generation that I'm complaining about. But ain't no way he could have slung that girl across the room and we not walked his – Molly walked his ass. I agree. I agree. I don't know if that made sense, Queen, but that's the. I'm just. But it's just hopefully I gave people something to think about. I think you did. I mean, I, I appreciate the points you brought up. They were insightful for me, so I hope they were just as insightful as for everybody else that was listening. All right, thank you for the extra time. I owe you a dinner if you're cool with that. You can pick the day I got you. <laughs> thank you. All right. You got a family, so I know that ain't. So I appreciate you. All right, Queen, thank you so much. Let me go ahead and close this thing out.